I'd like to welcome all those joining us online today. If you're new to the church, I'm Pastor Zach. Uh, Shelly and I have the privilege of leading this great group of people known as Connection Point Church as lead pastors, and it's a joy. And we've been gone, and we've missed it. <laughs> uh, we took the kids uh, way out on their spring break. It was great to have time with Shelly and the kids and, and get away for a little bit, but and then you get to the place where it's like, okay, this has been nice, and now it's time to get back, you know? And so we're glad to be back this morning and glad to worship with you. Um, you're a great church, and uh, what a joy that we get to be a part of it. Uh, we're so glad to be here. Uh, one of the things I'd like to mention is, of course, Easter's coming, Palm Sunday, next Sunday. And on Good Friday, we'd like to have a service. So if you're free on Good Friday, we're going to meet from 12 to 1 and come together for a time of worship, sing some hymns, take communion, and just uh, reflect on 2,000 years ago what happened on that very important day. So if you're here, I'd love to have you out here on that Good Friday service. Just include that as a part of your Easter weekend celebration. It'll be a great time together as we reflect on Good Friday and then we show up Sunday for resurrection. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend, so I encourage you to come out and be a part. You know, one of the things that uh, has become increasingly important to me as a dad is the need to impress upon my children my love for them, and even more important, the love that God the Father has for them. It's really become important to me. So we take time in the morning to uh, read the Bible. It's important to me that my kids have a firm identity in who they are as a child of God. They've got to have that. And so we read the Bible every morning, and, and uh, we have a couple of other, other kids that join us for that. Um, and some of them are four years old. I love Bible stories with four-year-olds. Anybody get to work back in Kids Cove? <laughs> it's awesome. I was reading, one of the Bible stories I was reading was about the man with leprosy that Jesus healed. Of course, there was a couple, but I was reading through that, and one of the guys raised his hand. And so Pastor Zach, I said, yeah, buddy. He said, uh, I didn't get to see a picture of a leopard. Leprosy, leopard. That's a four-year-old. <laughs> like, you know what? You're right. We need to write that book and tell them they didn't include a picture of a leopard. <laughs> oh, man. But it's awesome. So we read Bible stories in the morning, and then we take time to pray. Lucas will crawl up in my lap, and, and we'll pray. And at the end of that time of prayer, uh, Nate, our, our fourth grader, he'll come in and press up to my left side, and Haley, she'll try to find room on my knee if Lucas will give her the space. And I just speak over him and tell him, Nate, Haley, and Lucas, God loves you. He made you with special hearts. He gave you smart minds and strong bodies. And I tell him, your mom and I, we love you. We're proud of you, and we want you to live for Jesus today. Man, if you can get rooted in who you are in Christ, the difference you can make in your life. We load up in the car, and we head to Klondike Elementary, and I drop them off. And on their way out the door, I tell them, Nate, remember who you are today. Haley, remember who you are today. We've got to live out our identity in Christ and here's what I know for my kids. Until my kids know that they are a child of the living God, until they know they have the authority and the power to walk in that identity, they cannot fulfill God's purpose for their lives. It's the same for you. Until you know your identity, until you embrace your identity as a child of God, you will not fulfill your God-given purpose in life. You're meant to engage the world with a strong sense of identity, with your identity as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. 
And so what we're going to get into this morning as we continue in Luke chapter 3 is the understanding that you can be confident in your identity as a child of God. You've got to embrace that today, that you can be confident in your identity as a child of God. So now if you have your Bibles, <laughs> I missed that. I hope you do. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you're here today visiting, maybe you don't have one with you, there's a Bible underneath your seat or maybe underneath the seat in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, that's yours as a gift from the church. Feel free to take that. Uh, we encourage people to bring their Bible. I know some people have picked up a study Bible as we go through the book of Luke. I've encouraged that. Man, I want you in God's word. I want you to know God's word, to be rooted in God's word. Uh, we're going to continue in Luke chapter 3. Two verses this morning, short section, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. We simply stand out of reverence that God gave us his word. You know, you think about the early church, they didn't have what you have in your hands, and they did incredible things for God. How much more should we, the entirety of God's word in our hands, be able to go out in his name and preach the word? So we're going to take a look at chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. And we got it written in Spanish too. Now we got it written in English. Now when the people were baptized, and when Jesus also got being baptized, was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in holy form like a dove, and a voice come from the heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Now in Spanish, because he made many languages. Un día en que todos acudían a Juan para que los bautizara, fue Jesús bautizado también, y mientras oraba, se abrió el cielo y el Espíritu Santo bajó sobre él, en forma de paloma. Entonces se escuchó una voz del cielo que decía, Tú eres mi hijo amado. Estoy muy complacido contigo. Amen. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. What a joy that we have a church of many languages and nations. It's a picture of eternity. One day we will stand before the throne with every nation, tribe, tongue, people, and language. So we get a picture of eternity as we get to celebrate together in different languages and cultures. If you were here uh, about a month or two ago, we had somebody read the scripture in German. Is anybody here for that day? It's kind of a long passage. So when you read it in two languages, you guys were staying in a good long time. We got you your exercise that day. But here's what's incredible, and I didn't find out about this till a couple of weeks ago. But on that day, a girl had come visiting one of her college students here at Purdue, and she came with her dad, who's from Europe. And he came in, doesn't know Jesus. He came and actually sat right behind Shelly and I. And uh, he doesn't understand English very well, but he knows German. So on that day that we planned, God planned, <laughs> he showed up. He may not have understood much of what I said. I'm okay with that. I'm far more concerned that he understands God's word. So praise God. Praise God that God puts those things together. I will never cease to marvel at the way that God works. Man, if you just follow after God you really get to experience the wonder of what it is to follow after him. You just get to watch as he does things. You're like, God, I'm so glad I just get to follow you and watch you do things. I'm glad it's not on me. I'd sure mess it up. Well, we're going to begin this series as we got into Luke. We started in Luke chapters 1 and 2 with the understanding that God is here. God sent his son 2,000 years ago, and everything changed. Nothing has been the same. And then we moved into a series of a few messages on get ready that we studied and looked at Jesus as he was getting ready for the ministry that he was going to step into. We saw that he was being prepared 
by 30 years of anonymity. We don't think about that as preparation. But Jesus took 30 years to get ready for the ministry he was going to step into. He was getting ready by Joseph, who was teaching him. He was getting ready by learning to abide in God the Father. And then John the baptizer, he's getting the world ready for Jesus by preaching a message of repentance. He's telling people to get ready for the Messiah. And how do you get ready? By turning from a life of evil and getting water baptized. This was the message of John. Shelley talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And now what we're going to do is we're going to step into a mini-series on Luke on water, wilderness, and wonder. Water, wilderness, and wonder. I've been looking forward to this section for a while. Of course, I love the whole Bible, but you know, I love to step into new series and, and new things. Now look at your neighbor. Three things you got to remember. What are they? Okay. That's it. And what we're going to find as we walk through this, this is the natural progression of what it means to follow Christ. You step into the water, water baptism is what we looked at this morning, and your identity and who you are in Christ. Then you enter into a time of going through the wilderness where that identity is tested. Prayerfully, it is firmed up in that time. That's what it's meant for. And then you step into the wonder of what it means to follow God. It's this awesome thing that we're going to walk through. We're going to see it in the life of Jesus, but we can recognize that in the lives of maybe your life or the lives of others as well. Jesus is water baptized. He spends time in the wilderness and experiences the wonder of following God while being empowered by the Holy Spirit to perform miracles and preach and teach with boldness. To kind of help broaden our understanding of the water baptism of Jesus, I want to look at Mark chapter 1 with you. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This helps broaden our understanding. Luke only has a couple of verses. Uh, Matthew is a longer version. I'm just going to include Mark here. So Mark chapter 1 says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So we see these two correlate, but now Mark includes, and so does Matthew, that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And this is why I want to get into this, because I always want to encourage you, have faith, and it's okay to have questions. Because when you look at Luke's narrative, what you see Luke does, as Shelley finished this passage, um, as you look at verse 20, Herod has locked John the Baptist up in prison. And then the next verse, Jesus is water baptized. So the question when you read Luke is, well, who baptized Jesus? Well, what Luke is doing here, and I had mentioned as we got into Luke that Luke is largely a sequential gospel, that it goes from one event to the other, it follows a sequence. But now this is one of the exceptions, because I said there's a couple, this is one of them. And what Luke is doing here is a literary technique where he wants to finish talking about John the Baptist so that he can turn then all of his attention to Jesus. So that's what's happening here. So we know that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, but Luke, he finishes talking about John the Baptist so that now Jesus can take center stage. And at Jesus at center stage, this is an important point because it's his baptism. His baptism is really, really important. In fact, we know this because it's included in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you look at the birth of Jesus, only two of the Gospel writers talk about that. Like, who doesn't talk about Christmas? Well, two of the Gospel writers didn't. But all four include baptism. So we know that this event is really important in the life of Christ. For the first time in the New Testament, we see that the Trinity shows up. Jesus, the Son, he goes down into the water. He comes back up. The heavens are opened. The Holy Spirit descends, and God the Father makes a declaration. 
That's an important event. The Trinity shows up, something important is happening there, right? We know that. And we also know it's a big deal because when Jesus is baptized, as it was declared, the heavens opened. And how many know when the heavens open up, incredible things happen? Absolutely. Shelley read the verse in Malachi this morning where it talks about that. We want the heavens to open. And we also see that God the Father makes this important declaration. And we know that the baptism of Jesus is important because of what God the Father is declaring over the Son. The Father was declaring something every human heart wants to know. The Father was declaring a transcendent truth that absolutely must become the anchor of your soul. God the Father is declaring something that you must know, (laughs) that you know, that you know. Robert Madu, he summarizes this statement and applies it to us. Because as we look at the baptism of Jesus, this is what God the Father is declaring over us as well. That you are loved, you are a child of God, and he is pleased with you. That's the statement you need to walk away with this morning. You are loved, you are a child of God, and he is pleased with you. If you live an anchor to that statement, oh, the incredible things that you can do in Jesus' name. You need to apply that to yourself this morning. Hawk, you are loved. You are a child of God. And he's pleased with you. Derek, you are loved. You are a child of God. He is pleased with you. Deanne, you are loved. You are a child of God. And he is pleased with you. You have to take that in this morning. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, that is your statement today. That is your anchor. Repeat this after me. I am loved. I'm a child of God, God. and he is pleased with me. me. We need to live in that identity this morning. You've got to take that in as your own. If you know that that is your identity, God can take you to places to fulfill the purpose he has for your life that you could never do otherwise. And this is the truth you've got to arrive at, that you are loved, you are a child of God, and that he is pleased with you. But the question is, how can you be confident in your identity as a child of God? And so the first reason is this, that you can be confident in your identity as a child of God by accepting a message of repentance. Let me say that again, that you can be confident in your identity as a child of God by accepting a message of repentance. Jesus' baptism endorses the message of John. Everything that is true about preparing for the arrival of God's salvation in Jesus in the first century in terms of heart change, that's true today. What was true 2,000 years ago, that hasn't changed. To come to Jesus, a person must seek forgiveness from an evil heart. Jesus was baptized, not because he was a sinner in need of repentance, but as a way of identifying himself with those that he came to save. Jesus, or John, called for life change, for repentance, a turning of the heart. This was the message of John. The first step in becoming a child of God is recognizing your need for a Savior. And we all need a Savior. Every one of us in this room. We're going to find later this year that Jesus teaches, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who recognize their need for a Savior. Blessed are those who realize their spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. For theirs is the kingdom of God. 
That's the starting point for all things. To become a child of God, you must first realize your need for God. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I encourage you to recognize your need for him today. And if you've been following Jesus for a lifetime, remember, you need him daily. Now, I watched the message last week, and Zach was like singing for every point. So I just feel like I have to include a song like with every point of my messages now. You know, this is a, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. So that's the one that applies here. I'm not really going to include a song with every point. (laughs) I loved hearing his message last week, though. To be confident in your identity as a child of God. Embrace your need for Jesus. And the second thing is this, that you can be confident in your identity as a child of God by abiding with God the Father. You can be confident in your identity as a child of God by abiding in God the Father. In Luke's account of Jesus being water baptized, here's what he mentions, that when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, he's the only one that includes this in the baptism, when he was water baptized and was praying. The fact that Jesus' baptism occurs framed in prayer and shouldn't be missed. If the beloved son communes with God through prayer as he pursues direction in life, how much more should we? I mean, think about that. A member of the Trinity, the Son of God, he found it important to retreat and find times alone with the God, the Father, in prayer. But that was his identity. Jesus' identity was firm in who he was in connection to God, the Father. Uh, a book I had our staff read at the beginning of the year as a part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting was A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Excellent book on prayer. And one of the the lines in there that I just can't get rid of is he's talking about this point, talking about how is it that Jesus, someone who is a part of the Trinity, he needed to abide in God the Father, that we see that over and over in Scripture. It says that he retreated and found time alone. Uh, One of the Scriptures is early in the morning that he was retreating away to spend time with the Father. And so he said, "If, if he needs that, how much more do we need that? And here's what he brings up. He talks about the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's talking about the stress that Jesus was under. And he likens that to the stress of knowing he's about to go to the cross. He's about to bear the weight of all sin. And let me ask you, can God have anything to do with sin? The answer is no. It's really not a trick question. Can God have anything to do with sin? No, he can't. So in that moment when Jesus is about to go to the cross, he's realizing for the first time in his life, he's about to experience a bit of separation he's never before experienced in his life. And here's what Paul Miller writes. Jesus's anguish is our normal. Jesus's anguish is our normal. It's our normal apart from abiding with the Father. If that doesn't drive you to your knees in time of prayer and Bible reading, I don't know what does. Who wants to live in anguish? I sure don't. And so what he's saying is, is, is if we're not taking time to abide with the Father, that anguish is the default of our soul. We must have communion with the Father. Failure to pray is like going through marriage without talking to your spouse. Anybody married here that thinks that that works? Husbands, don't raise your hand. It doesn't work. If you're not in communication with your spouse, you can't be on the same page with one another. As you walk through things in life and in marriage, Jesus said in his life, you will have troubles. So the question is in that moment, in what way are you identifying with God the Father? As you face troubles, if you're abiding and linked to him, you're going to know how to face those challenges. 
Make spending time with Jesus a priority. Go to bed an hour earlier to wake up earlier so that you can read God's word and pray. Those are the two anchors for abiding, prayer and spending time in God's word. To be confident in your identity as a child of God, abide. And lastly, to be confident in your identity as a child of God, you must believe in Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus participated in the stage of preparation initiated by John. But think about this. John's baptism had no power to open heaven and bring down the Holy Spirit. Only the baptism of Jesus did. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in his baptism. And this sets in motion the course of his entire mission and empowers him to act. And it also points to the empowering of Jesus' followers and acts. As the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, a voice from heaven declares, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. God speaks this over Jesus because he is the Son of God. You know, there are many in our culture who respect Jesus, regard him as a religious teacher of great significance. Muslims view him as a significant prophet. But these views of Jesus, they pale in comparison to what is revealed in Scripture. Jesus is not like anyone who came before him or anyone since. There have been other great teachers, prophets, and kings, but there is only one who has combined all of these roles as God's chosen son. And here's why this matters. When you come to Jesus, you're not approaching one truth among many. Religion is not like a selection of restaurants at Purdue's Memorial Union building where you have a choice in what food that you want to eat. The message of Jesus is unique, and it is exclusive. And this is why the world has problems with it sometimes. The road to God the Father, it comes through Jesus. Some view faith as a vast interstate highway system where many roads lead to God. But this simply isn't true. To know the Father, you must know the Son. To know the Father, you must know the Son. That message may cut against the grain of our current cultural pluralism, but Jesus is unique. Gabriel, Elizabeth, and the angelic host, they all give witness to this. He is the son who the father loves and is well pleased. No one else has ever experienced that kind of divine endorsement. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can have relationship with God the father without him. No one can enter God's presence outside of Jesus. No one can enter God's presence outside of Jesus. You can join Elizabeth, the angels, Luke, and others who affirm Jesus' exalted status and identity as God's son. Or you can reject this evaluation and pit yourself against God. You do have that choice. But remember, to be a child of God, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you've not put your faith in God, I encourage you to do it today. And if you're here today and you have put your faith in Jesus, stand firm in that identity today and in every day to come. You can be confident in your identity as a child of God by accepting a message of repentance, by abiding with God the Father, and by believing in Jesus, the Son of God. Paul, is in his travels, he, he visited Athens. And what he told the Athenians, he shared with them as he had an opportunity to speak with them. Here's what he he, we find in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. 
Paul talking with them, he says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Who did God raise from the dead? Jesus. Jesus. And so to put our faith in Jesus is to put our faith in God. But then how did the Athenians respond as Paul talks with them? Here's what we find in verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. And that's how it is with the gospel. There will be those that laugh and there will be those that believe. But to become a child of God, you've got to be among those who believe. So where do you find yourself this morning? Are you laughing at Jesus or are you curious about him? Are you ready to join his church and believe in him? To be a part of the kingdom of God, you must know the king. There's no other way. And if you know the king, you can be confident in knowing that you are loved, you are a child of God, and that he is pleased with you. I'd like to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. You know, the incredible thing with that statement that God the Father makes over Jesus the Son is when you think about the life of Christ up to that point, he had done nothing as recorded in Scripture. We, we see at age 12, he went to the synagogue, was talking with the teachers. So when, when God the Father speaks this over your life, it is tied not at all to what you've done. It's tied to simply who you are. That's it. There's nothing you have to do to have this identity and who you are in Christ. It's all about simply who you are as a child of God. But I'd like to ask as, as we go into song, are you outside of the kingdom of God today? But do you have a desire to be called a child of God? How could your life look different if you understood your identity as a part of God's family? Right now, you can acknowledge your need of God to come into a relationship with King Jesus and be a part of his family, be included in the kingdom of God. So with every head bowed here this morning, I just want to ask, if you're here today and you've never made that decision to say, I want to be a part of God's family, but you'd say, I want to do it today, simply raise your hand. We just want to pray with you and encourage you today before you go. We don't want you to miss the opportunity to say yes to Jesus this morning. Anybody here that would say, I want to be a child of God today. I've been outside of his kingdom. I haven't been living for God, but I want to choose to live for him today. Anybody that would say yes to that today. I want to follow you, God. I want to be a part of your kingdom. Well, I'm going to pray. And if you have that desire in your heart, I do encourage you that when we dismiss this morning, instead of going back out through the doors, come forward, find Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, and he'll get you a Bible and information on what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime. God, I, I pray that we would be firm in our identity and who we are in you, that there would be nothing that would hold us back from that life that we can experience in you. Jesus, I pray that we would be firm in our identity and understanding that the words that God the Father spoke over you as the Son, those are ours today as well. That we are loved, that we are a child of God, and that you are pleased with us. Jesus, I pray if there are those in this room that aren't living in that today, that they would cling and hold on to that truth in Jesus' name, be firm in the identity they have in you, to walk in your authority and power in Jesus' name. As we close in song, I just pray that we would close in worship of you as God our Savior. In Jesus' name.